Welcome to the Fear Boss Show, a show created to help you become the bravest, boldest, and most badass version of yourself yet. Now, this show is allergic to basic. It's a show that loves real talk. It's a show that will help you slay self-doubt. And it's a show designed to help you check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm your host, Judy Holler, best-selling author, keynote speaker, improv theater junkie, and a hip-hop-loving entrepreneur. It's kind of like this. If Amy Poehler and Dr. Dre had a baby, uh, that would basically be me. I am obsessed with helping you smash comfort zones and experiment with your fears so you can get more freedom in your life personally and professionally. This podcast is going to help you do just that. So, are you ready? Let's get this fear party started. You are listening to The Fear Boss Show, episode 11. This episode may contain adult content and language, so please take care while listening. Hey, hey, Fear Boss, and welcome back to The Fear Boss Show. This is a show obsessed with helping you smash comfort zones so you can live a braver life and get all of that juicy, ooey-gooey, amazing freedom you want in life. I am so happy you're here. Thanks so much. You guys, I'm going to get right into it. This is going to be a juicy, juicy episode. But first, a couple of things. Here's how you can help if you haven't done Done it already. Oh my God. If you love the show, Fear Boss, jump in to the iTunes and leave us a review. Even if you just hit the five star button, if you're loving the show and you think we're five stars, which I have a feeling if you're listening, you think that and feel that way, jump in and just say, Judy rocks, the pod rocks. This is a great show. It can just be a couple of words. You have no idea how much it helps us and it helps other fear bosses like you find the work. Also, if you're digging this podcast, you'll probably dig my book on fear, which inspired this entire show to begin with. It's a book called Fear is My Homeboy. And if you're loving the podcast, I have an audiobook and I recorded it myself. So we'll link up to all of that in the show notes, but definitely jump on to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of the things, wherever you love buying books and grab yourself a copy, audio or written of my book, Fear is My Homeboy. Okay, so I'm going to try something a little bit different with this episode. And before I roll the audio on that, I want to sort of tee it up. So I am always taking my own fear boss advice, right? I am myself as a human and as a business owner, always continuing to experiment, especially as we develop this podcast and get a vibe rolling with it. The big idea behind my work on fear is the idea of experimenting with your fear in order to get braver. You can go right to episode 10 and listen to the 12-minute episode I recorded all about fear experiments if you have no idea what I'm talking about. So we wanted to experiment and do something new. So I want to introduce you to an episode and a series we're going to try out here on the podcast called The Hot Seat. And The Hot Seat, what is it, you ask? Great question. The Hot Seat is going to be episodes where Amanda on my team, uh, who is Amanda, is my CFO. She's my right hand, and she's really the one working behind the scenes with me on the business. But she's going to come into the front of the scenes, (laughs) if you will, and sort of interview me with the goal of sharing with you some of the stories from my past and in my business that have shaped 
my life the most. And oh my God, Fear Boss, we just recorded our first one. And this episode was recorded together. We were in my hotel room in Las Vegas last week. We were on site together for a keynote I was giving. And you guys, it is so full of information and stories that I have never shared. And you'll also notice that this episode is going to be a little bit longer than usual. It's going to be like 40 minutes. I think the interview with me and Amanda is 40 minutes. Uh, but I, I want to really have a range of episodes for you because some of you love really short episodes like 10 minutes and some love middle range episodes like 30 minutes, 25 minutes. And then some of you want hour long episodes for longer drives, etc. So either way, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to give you a little bit of everything. We're going to have short, juicy, bite-sized episodes. We're going to have middle-of-the-road episodes and then longer episodes like this. Uh, But either way, Fear Boss, this episode is fire. And I share stories in this interview with Amanda that I have never shared ever. I share, uh, to give you some spoiler alerts, how I got started in the world of speaking and performing and the truth about all of that, how I transitioned from a full-time job working in sales and marketing in corporate America to a full-time paid speaker. I talk about the number one thing I did single-handedly, the number one thing that grew my speaking business. (laughs) I share the one thing I wish someone would have told me when I started about starting a business. I share the most humiliating and embarrassing thing that has ever happened to me as an entrepreneur, and so much more. Let's just get into it. Buckle up, fear boss. This one is going to be fun, and I think it's time to get this party started. All right. I'm so excited to be back on the Fear Boss Show, Miss Judy. I'm so pumped you're here, Miss Amanda. So, (laughs) listen, guys, because I get to work with Judy every day, I've had the opportunity to ask her a gazillion questions about life and work and business and friends and family, which means I've heard a ton of her stories, which I love. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Some of them are funny, some of them are serious, and some made my heart hurt a little bit, and some of them honestly made me laugh until I pee. (laughs) Like the slizzy blizzy. Uh Uh-oh, the slizzy blizzy. (laughs) We'll talk about that. Yeah, more on that in a bit. But like the point is, I've gotten to know her, you, as a friend and a colleague and a creative. And look, girl, I'll be honest. Some of this stuff is just too good to keep inside the walls of our office. So I figured, why not jump on the pod and dish out some of these stories to our Fear Boss listeners? I love it. And we're here together in a hotel room in Las Vegas, (laughs) by the way, Fear Boss fam. So how could we not get together and do this? It's so much fun. Like, I can't wait. This is going to be the best. So I wanted to ask you about some of the (laughs) best stories you've told me over the years that, that our Fear Boss fam can see a little bit of a different side of you. You ready for this? I'm so ready for it. Okay. We're putting you in the hot seat. The hot seat. (laughs) I love the hot seat. Okay, y'all, if you've been listening to this podcast, I have to, we have to put a song to this because, you know, I put songs to like every vibe I'm feeling and I cannot help but think of one thing and one thing only. (laughs) It's hot in here in our hotel room. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Let's just let it ride for a second here. Yes. If you're not in your car or in your bathroom shaking your booty right now, I don't know what's up. 
uh, but you should. Anyway, this is gonna be the hot seat. Yes. So anytime we do these, Amanda, we should call it the hot seat. I and I think it. Nelly kicks us off. I'm from <laughs> St. Louis, so if that's surprising anyone, yeah, I have a St. Louis background and we loved Nelly, but who didn't in oh the gosh. 90s? Right. Anyway, yeah, okay, it's getting hot so here. So he was the soundtrack to some of our best years. And yes. We kind of pulled that from the archives. So oh, no. let, let's start by going back to the archives, girl. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. The hot so, seat. hot seat. You studied radio and journalism in college. Is that right? Yeah. So, I was a communications major in college, and I studied radio, television specifically once I got through, like, my minor stuff. Um, I either wanted to be, like, Katie Couric on the news or a cleaner version of Howard Stern. <laughs> Not a lot of people know I'm kind of obsessed with Howard Stern. I've been listening to him secretly for so many years, and I don't know why I even say secretly. Right. Because uh, he's such a brilliant pro at what he does, and not many people can command the mic the way he does. And he's always defied the odds and been brave enough to be who he is. And so totally. I've just always respected that. Or I wanted to be an MTV VJ. These were called video jockeys. I write about this in my work, but they were like, you know, on camera DJs, <laughs> if you will. And downtown Julie Brown was a really famous one. So I like wanted to be her. And while I wrote about it in my book, and I even flew out in my 20s to like audition for MTV. And spoiler alert, I never became an MTV VJ. Uh, but the story is good. And yeah, <laughs> Yes, I have a background in radio television. I mean, I hosted shows. I interned at radio stations. I've shadowed TV anchors at TV stations. I filmed all kinds of crazy stuff. And I've always sort of been dabbling in video. That's awesome. So you're not like the person that just started filming Instagram videos, right? Like your experience with making videos has been happening for what? Like 20 years, would you say? I mean, 20 years. Now I feel like an Sorry. ancient, like a straight up... <laughs> Like a straight up ancient fossil. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm kind of an OG here. Like for real, it's been a huge part of my life since I was in high school. And actually, if you count my speech meets in grade school, I've been like air quote, I'm air quoting, <laughs> sort of performing even longer than high school. I did speech meets in grade school, you guys, where I'd memorize these monologues, which were stories. You know, I'd perform in front of a live audience and I'd do it like all over Missouri. And I'm telling you, I would win those things. I would take home gold ribbons and blue ribbons first place and gold ribbons and all this stuff. And I remember my sweet dad would drive me all over God's country in Missouri, taking me to all those regional events and sitting in the front row and cheering me on. And to this day, my dad is always like, where did you come from? <laughs> like, where did this come from? He was always kind of blown away by my interest in doing that, right? Like orating at such a young age. That's and so, so interesting. Yeah. So many kids... Like, that's something that would be so terrifying. So yeah. you hear of, like, a lot of theater kids, yeah. which is amazing and certainly something that most people are doing these days because yeah. we had shows like Glee that made it cool. But, yeah. like, then, like, that was, like, interesting that you went into speech. Totally. <laughs> like, I was like, I want to be. Like, other kids were kicking around soccer balls or tumbling in gymnastics, and I was kind of like a baby keynote speaker. <laughs> like, seriously. I was like a baby keynote that's speaker. That's so true. Before I even knew, like, it almost, like, makes me laugh and emotional at the same time because it's such a full circle moment. And it gives me goosebumps to think about the work I do now being that full circle moment. Uh, so when I joke about like saying, well, not joke, I should take that back. When I empower myself to say that I was born for this, 
I truly believe that I am and that I was. And did that happen overnight? No. I have been priming this muscle since I was like 10. And y'all, I'm 43, right? <laughs> the OG fear boss is 43. So it was actually like 33 years ago I've started practicing this. So think about that. We all start at zero and no one is an overnight success. And I've had lots and lots and lots of practice and I've most certainly had a passion for it. So I just got good at it. And, and when I, and here's something to really think about. When I decided to start my business five years ago, I've been in business for myself almost five years. It'll be five years this April that I quit my job, but I, I bet on myself and I went all in on my strength as the primary revenue driver in my business. And I think there are so many. And then I hired people like yourself to, you know, they're smarter than me and faster than me in other areas, help me run the business. But I bet on myself. I went all in on my strength. And I think so many people waste a lot of time trying to fix all the shit that they suck at. Go all in, especially when you're running a new, like go all in on your strength. What is your strength? And I always knew that uh, storytelling and orating and energy and all of that um, was a superpower that I yeah. had. So when I decided to really build a business, I let that be uh, the foundation of the business. And now, I mean, we're, we're expanding and, and things are, you know, we're building annuities and, and, and passive resources into the business. And it's going to evolve outside of me speaking on a stage. But boy, I started there and I went all in on that strength because it is. It's who you are. Yeah. And so I find this really interesting because so many people ask you about passion and this is a little bit of an aside. And it's like, how do I find my passion? And one of the things that you and I have talked about is what did you like to do when you were a kid? Like when you're a kid, you're not worried about what the outside yeah. world says about what's good or bad yeah. or if you're good enough or not. You just do what you like. Yeah. And so yeah. that's a good testament to like, this really is it what is. you were born to do. Yeah, so, before you got too afraid and too yeah, in your head. Right, yeah. before the noise got too loud. Yeah. So for those of you listening who are like 30 and over, you guys might remember this amazing technology that came out and it was called a flip can. It was introduced to the market before all cell phones had video capability and recording and honestly before we text messaged. But I mean, these little flip cams were like portable cell phone sized cameras that were game changers. Uh, we all had them. It was so fun. We used them in corporate and people used them just to do fun <laughs> yes. things with their friends because it was the first time you could really capture everything. It was like a GoPro before GoPro. Right. Uh, Judy does have some experience with these, and it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, so from being a conference attendee correspondent to a weather reporter, this is something like we were talking about video that you have been integrating into your life for such a long time. Will you tell us about the evolution from the slizzy blizzy to literally creating, I'm so sorry, you guys, wait till you hear about the slizzy oh, blizzy, Lord. to seriously creating a brand that has grown in part through your use of video and social media and that entire like system. Okay, the slizzy blizzy was what I called the snowpocalypse in Chicago in 2011. So it, if y'all live in Chicago, you'll remember snowpocalypse. We got dumped on and it was legit. Maybe like 12, 13, 14 inches of snow. Literally cars were stranded. People had to get rescued from their cars. They were stranded on Lakeshore Drive. Everything was closed, but it was so damn fun. And P.S. Something fun fact about me. I nickname everything. Everything's a nickname. So That's if I so ever true. nickname you, like today on stage, we had a keynote this morning. I talk, I, I call social media social meads, right? 
right? So the slizzy blizzy is was like the snowboard. The sl- this I don't know where it came from, but it was like what I called it's snowpocalypse. So classically so Judy though. And it had a snoop vibe, yeah. right? So it's got a little snoop swag. Anyway, but it was so fun, and it became this like massive snow day. So from the night prior to Slizzy Biz- Blizzy and to the morning after, I literally went into the streets and documented it all. At the time, I had this flip cam and was using it all the time at industry events, actually, related to my full-time gig in the meetings industry to sort of record live at conferences. And I'm doing live air quotes because there was no live. There was no Periscope yet. There was no Instagram stories. There was no Facebook Live. Dude, if I would have come up with this idea, I'd be straight up OG millionaire right now. Literally. Like I was Periscoping before anyone was doing it or and you you might even not even know what periscope isn't was. that crazy yeah. to think how much everything has changed. changed everything and now it's the thing like yes. so facebook live no brainer instagram stories that's why i'm so obsessed and it's so fun for me to play there because it's just always been one of my favorite things anyway i was going air quotes live at these conferences to interact with participants and engage in the event and show people around and really the goal of me creating these videos for that association at the time was to help get people that weren't there excited about joining our association and, you know, to grow our membership and to grow attendance and create a little FOMO. And I even called my show, we had a show name, and it was called Judy Holler, Taking It to the Streets. And you know I got a theme song for that. Hold on, hold on. Michael! I mean... So that was my theme song, y'all. Okay, Michael McDonald, we have to have a moment. And my mom went to high school with him, by the way. Did she Isn't that really? crazy? That yeah. is crazy. But I love all that old, like, I have a side love for, like, Yacht Rock. Yeah. I mean, I love all that stuff. Like, Christopher Cross, sailing, <laughs> takes me away. I have oh a horrible gosh. singing voice, but you know what I'm saying. It's That's so okay. good. Anyway, I love all that stuff. So we called the show Taking It to the Streets, and I had this flip cam. So when Slizzy Blizzy hit, I knew I had to take it to the streets. (laughs) And by the way, I've always been obsessed with weather. So I took my camera, started recording the night before the storm and recorded the whole next morning. And then when the lake effect, you guys, there's lake effects. So you're going to get a big snowstorm. But what people don't realize, especially when you live in cities like Chicago that has literally got lake effect snow, four hours, five hours later, you better get ready. It's coming at you again (laughs) crazier. So I recorded night before, morning of, lunchtime breaks and all this stuff. So I got all my snow gear on. I was totally by myself, which was a fear experiment, by the way. Grabbed my flip cam, hit the streets. I talked to neighbors. I went down to Lakeshore Drive, talked to people on Lakeshore Drive. I hung out with people and their families (laughs) and kids. Stop it. People were building ski ramps down the front of their stairs. Kids were skiing. There were locals building snow castles in the street. It was so fun. So from sunup to sundown, I was out there filming videos and playing and learning and documenting all the record-breaking Chicago snowfall. So I'd record a few videos, go back to my apartment to warm up, then upload them from my flip cam to my laptop because back when we had to do that, you had to go (laughs) plug it all in via the USB drive and then I'd post them on Facebook. And they were a hit and I had so much fun and I still have them up on YouTube. I'll link to it in the show notes. You guys do not miss the it's link. It's so silly. I'm so crazy but um, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can literally see me. I don't know 10 years. What is that now? 9 years yeah. ago? 8 years ago? Just out there playing and experimenting with my fear and myself and just being true to who I 
am and maybe some people got it and maybe they didn't but boy people just thought they were hysterical and all my friends and family all over the United States and beyond really not only got to know I was safe but they got to sort of like get a sneak peek into this experience and I met so many amazing That's people so but yeah amazing. I the slizzy blizzy I have been playing around on video for for a long time yeah and it kind of goes back to that idea that you're always trying to explain to people like it doesn't just happen like yeah. you have to practice and you've right. been at this for a long time right so, you know, speaking of which, you know, you did this during your full-time job, and I think lots of people that listen to the podcast are curious about how, you know, like, before you were... Sorry, sorry. Okay. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> you know what? Wait, maybe so we don't edit this out. Let's not edit this. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, that Nelly had to come back. Yeah, Nelly we, needed, needed us. The STL, I feel like baby. Nelly was like, I'm still here. It's still hot. And we're live, folks. We're live. So go ahead. I didn't mean to play that, but I'm also really glad it happened. So go ahead, That's Amanda. Okay. No mistakes only No gifts. mistakes only gifts, right. y'all. So before you were a creative entrepreneur and a keynote speaker, like you were in the hospitality industry and you were in the event business, right? But you side hustled as a speaker. Yeah. So I, yes, I built okay. a very successful career in the meetings industry while working on the hotel side of things in sales and marketing. This means, for those of you that don't know the meetings industry or the hotel industry, it means that my job, uh, my full-time job before I started doing this was to sell my hotel or my hotel company or my destination to meeting planners who book conferences. And I did that for almost 15 years. I started in St. Louis with a company called Millennium Hotels. I did some, a little time with Marriott and Star. Starwood, and then ended up moving to Chicago and worked for uh, Omni Hotels. And my last job in the industry was actually working for Explore St. Louis, uh, my hometown, in a citywide sales position, booking big citywide conferences into St. Louis. And I worked remotely out of Chicago. And I quit that job in April of 2016 to do this full time. And we're like laughing because Amanda knows that there's a story. Are we going to go there and tell yeah, that story? Okay. Well, I think we have to. It's like my favorite story. It's like, ever. It, I, makes me giggle with excitement every time I think about leaving that job and we'll give you guys the lowdown. But anyway, I've been in the business since 2002 and I love, 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 love it. And what y'all may or may not know about Amanda, same with her. Yeah. She's an event boss too, almost 20 years with Procter & Gamble, uh, president of ILEA in Cincinnati. So she's an event boss. I'm an event boss and we have been in live events and meetings um, for our entire adult yeah. lives and continue to be because we that's still exactly are what this is. yeah so we believe that when we come together we can change the world and i even went on to become um chapter president of mpi chicago meeting professionals international in the 2015 2016 calendar year and i was on that board for almost eight years so I, i'm proud that you know i work uh, in the meetings business and you know amanda's proud to work in that industry too we're just on a different side of things now but we're still in live events and i truly believe and i know you believe it too so i'll speak on behalf of both of us, I believe to the core of my bones that meetings mean business. Oh, 100%. I mean, meetings mean business. And when we meet face-to-face, -face, we can change ourselves, we can change our lives, we can change our companies, and we can most certainly change the world. So we, while we love the power of virtual, right, you can do a lot of things yeah. with technology. It is nothing replaces the human interaction, the handshake, the yes. hug, the in-person keynote speaker that moves you and rocks you to your core, the person you meet over the break that gives you your next big idea. Idea, the person you meet in the networking reception, you know, 
I heard John A. Cuff, a really great speaker. Um, he wrote just wrote a book called Finish, but he's awesome. John A. Cuff, I'll link to him in the show notes, but he said something one time that I've just never forgotten. He goes, there are always two meetings at every meeting. There's the meeting happening in the room on the stage with all the keynote speakers and the leadership, whatever that looks like. And then there's the meeting in the hallways. Yep. Then there's the meeting over the breaks. Then there's the meeting at dinner at night and the networking receptions. And he goes, and that's the meeting I'm always chasing. Yeah. Because what are you going to do with the information you're learning? You could be at a conference and be inspired as fuck, right? And if you have a notebook full of ideas and you don't have the guts to make one change in your life, it's all for nothing. So I love this idea of always thinking about the meeting in the hallway, you right. know? And so I'm obsessed with this industry. I know we have a lot of uncertainty going on in the world right now, just with everything going on from coronavirus to meetings canceling. So I'm just sending everybody right now that's in that space a big hug. We're going to be okay. Yes. We're going to get totally through fine. this. We're going to get through it. There is nothing like the energy of being around other people that are collectively in the same kind of brain space. That's yeah. why meetings are so powerful. You're exactly right. So, okay, back into uh, my story that I really want you okay. to tell. This is a good one. Okay. I love this So moment. you were a keynote speaker, which is kind of hard, I think, for people <laughs> to understand because, like, you worked a day job, a full-time job, and a lot of times speaking happens during the day. So, like, what'd you do? Like, take vacation or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. So anytime I was speaking in the industry at chapter events or at annual conferences, I early on, I mean, I spoke for free for eight to eight years, something like that. That's I mean, incredible. I, even more than 10 years, um, close to 10 years. But I mean, just testing things out, trying things out. But most of the time, especially as, you know, I, I think like, so I quit my job in 2016 from like 20... 12, 2011 to when I quit. I mean, most of the stuff I was doing was pro bono, right? right? Really getting exposure and building a brand and a platform to get experience and figure it all out. So I spoke for free for years and years. But once I started getting leads and booking corporate clients, I'd use my vacation to go do it because I, I couldn't make money and have a job. Right. So I would use my vacation yeah. days because that was sticky and icky. Um, so it started to get a little bit tricky. And it yeah, was, how did that go yeah. around the office? Yeah, so it was like fine in the beginning but eventually I started picking up steam and my blog got some traction. Uh, I started to become published in some industry magazines, winning awards, being tweeted about, <laughs> basically being a damn boss, right? right? Like it just started really resonating. And I mean that with confidence on purpose because I had really worked for so long to really build that platform and it was starting to happen, but I was building a pretty public brand and profile. And while my leadership was proud of me and I was crushing it at work, it eventually kind of became confusing and my leadership started to get some heat, I guess. I don't know. So one day, I'll never forget it. My director of sales flew into Chicago to attend a conference with me and do like these sales calls. And oh he, my gosh, he, I cannot yeah, wait. yeah, okay. So then he <laughs> arranged a dinner with or breakfast with me uh, before he left. He's like, hey, I want to make sure we, you know, get some one-on-one -on -one time to talk about things before you leave. And I just like had this feeling like he was going to talk to me. We're at the low Chicago, but he sat me down and we did breakfast and we had this conversation and I could feel the conversation going that direction. Like he was going to basically, I didn't, I knew it wasn't going to get fired because, you know, I was crushing it at work and I was one of the top performers and I had a great reputation and my leadership loved me, but I knew something was about to show shift like and he literally looked at me and I mean there was a conversation before this but he's like so basically what I'm trying to say is like you're gonna have to pick like you need to make a decision now keep in mind this was April and our fiscal year ended June 30th so July 1st like he's like we kind of need to know like now because it would be great we could help have you help us train something like but basically what I'm trying to say to you I mean literally gave me an <laughs> ultimatum he's like you gotta pick right and I sat there 
And I just looked at him, and I shit you not. I looked at him, and I said, well, I don't choose you. Oh, my gosh. And I wasn't like I wasn't choosing him. Yeah. Like, I don't choose this. And I remember wanting to, like, puke and <laughs> dance so sure. and pee and go grab, I don't know what I was going to do, run around. I didn't know. I I was so, t- I couldn't believe it had just come out of my mouth. Oh, that was, that had to be a really, really hard conversation and scary. Like, and- I'm like, I, so, I mean, I will never forget it, right? Um, And I was so scared. And I remember calling Scott, my husband now, who was my boyfriend at the time. Like, it's not like I had, like, a husband and insurance. And not that that matters. I think they're, you know, don't let any of that scare you. Those are all BS excuses, bullshit excuses. But, and not, it's a real deal. We got to take care of ourselves right. and we got to plan for when we quit our job. And we'll, we can even get into that if, if it makes sense in just a little bit. But um, I remember calling Scott when I got out of that breakfast and I was like, uh, yeah, I think I just, I, well, I think I quit my job <laughs> and I'm going to help them find the replacement and I'm going to be on through June 30th. And they were so gracious and so amazing. I stayed on for a couple of months, which helped me ramp yes. up. Um, and it was so amazing and they were so great to me. But the rest is history. The I don't choose you. History. I choose me. When I first heard that story, you guys, and she's like, I don't choose you. I'm like, I was laughing so hard because I knew the feeling, right? Like yeah. you get to the point you where just you're done like, it. yeah, I yeah. just did it myself. And it's like, I, what I know for sure is I don't choose you. And what a powerful moment in your life though. Like I laugh because it's just a really funny, yeah. like iconic story, but a huge, like powerful yeah. moment. So that decision point, yeah. I guess, is how you decided or somebody helped you decide yeah. to start your business. But how did you start hustling to build that business? Whether that started like before yeah. the I don't choose you moment or like as you really started gaining traction. Yeah. So it really began by building a list and I would go out and speak. So that was one of the first things I did early on was really, you know, I, I am an alum of Marie Forleo's B school. So if you are a budding entrepreneur or wanting to get some clarity around where to start, boy, I tell you, I signed up for her class. It was worth every penny and you're a lifetime member to her resources, but she pre reached from her online platform. And it's so true that your list is gold and it's everything. So I started this like little blog. I think it started off called Inspired Leadership. Like it was so (laughs) safe and so like, yay, you know. And, um, but I started like going to speak and I started building a list. So every talk I'd give, I'd get, I'd get spin business in the business, in the business, in the speaking business, we call it spin business, like spin off business. Like you speak, you speak, you speak, you speak. And if you're a good speaker, you're going to get a lot of spin business, which is awesome. And and so every talk I'd give, I'd get leads, um, whether they were free talks or paid talks. I was always collecting emails and giving a space on this little form for people to say, hey, if you love this talk, do you know anyone who could, who could benefit? Which is how I really honestly built my speaking business. And we'll go into, as I start to uh, dig into these podcast episodes and online content we create, uh, so many of you are hungry for a lot oh, of those resources. I think that the community is asking yeah. for that. So I think they'd love to yeah, hear. Like how I built my speaking, right. how I built my keynotes, how I wrote a book, how you get about, like, all these things from my perspective, you know, and I'm happy to pull back the curtains and, and show you guys some of that stuff. But that's truly how I did it. I collected emails at every event so that they could get my toolbox. You had to give me your email for the toolbox, which helped me build my list. And then they and then I asked if they had any referrals, which helped me build my business. I also uh, saved a lot of my, my speaking money. So when I had my full-time job, I saved that speaking money for a year. So when I pulled the plug on the corporate gig, I had a little nest egg. So I think the side hustle is really smart. Building what you are dreaming about on the side. Maybe you want to go make 
candy canes. Maybe you want to be a cobbler. Maybe you want to run your own coffee shop. You don't have to go be a speaker and author to have any of this resonate for you. I really believe that building your dream while you have a paycheck and insurance is a really smart way to start. Paying yourself first and stacking those dimes. And then when it's time to go, you have money in the bank and you aren't living in fear of how you'll pay your mortgage. Now, let's be clear. I think I still get scared all the time. I think that's yeah. my biggest motivator is I know that if I don't work, I don't get paid. So you will never lose the fear. I'm always scared, right? I think differently about my fear now. And I know that if I don't move into action, I will lose my business and I won't stay relevant. So my fear is actually a blessing because it's how I stay relevant. It's how I, why I hire coaches. It's why I rewrite my keynotes every year. It's why I rehearse like a boss. It's why I get on the bike. It's why I take, it's like everything, nothing works if I don't. So, um, I would just say, you know, Make sure that you are thinking smartly about anything you want to go create. But back to your question, you know, what really led me from hustling to building a business is that I started picking up traction. I started getting a list and those people on that list were giving me referrals because they wanted me to come speak and they started paying me money. And I said, I think I'm onto something here. And that was back in like 2011. So by the time 2016 hit and yeah. I was told, who do you pick? I knew in my heart I needed to do this. I was just so scared to do it. I almost needed someone to force me to do it. Yeah. That was such a, yeah. you know, and again, like you planned for a long time. So everybody always thinks, oh, you just jump from one yeah. thing to the next. Like, uh, I have my own shared experience with this. Like, yeah. as I came full time to Holler, like, this was not something that we, you know, just decided one no. day. Like, that was something, a plan that had been laid into motion for a couple yes. years for yeah. anybody that followed along. Yeah. So this is, that was like one of the hard things, but... Mm. What was and what has been maybe one of the hardest or most humiliating mm. or game-changing things that's happened to you from like a business perspective? Yeah, I would absolutely say, and this is something I haven't talked about, and I, I almost wrote about it in my book. And maybe it'll come up in book two. Yes, there will be a book two. Ooh, yeah, I'll be uh, and, Yes, and we're, <laughs> uh, we're actually, I'm working on a workbook right now. It's going to be so amazing, and it's going to be very different than Fear is My Homeboy, so get pumped for that. It will be coming out in May. More, 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 more to come. We're so excited about yes, that project. I'm so excited. Um, but I need to tell the story, and I think this is a great place to tell it uh, because I think it'll help people get some perspective. But I got a cease and desist letter in the mail. Oh, Lord. Yeah. In the first six months of quitting my job and creating uh, as a creator full time, it was a holy shit eye opener. I was so scared. It made my stomach drop. I felt like I wanted to puke. It was, I thought it was fake. I was like, is this fake? Is this real? Like what's happening? I just quit my job and I've been in business for myself. Like it might've been like July, August, right? It was like so new and I get this freaking cease and desist. Can I, you, can I jump yeah, in? Go. For anybody that might not know what a cease and oh, desist yeah, is, can you just explain a little bit what that is? It, okay. I'll do like the best way to yeah. explain it. Cause I'm definitely not a lawyer and I don't pretend to be one on television, but basically <laughs> it's someone coming to you saying we need you to cease, stop using this material, whatever material they're calling out, because it is ours, it is mine, and you have essentially it's like someone, like, they think you're stealing their idea right. or okay. something like That's that. That's what I right? thought it was. I just yeah. wanted to make sure that if it I was you need to sure, cease. Yes. You need to stop, drop, and roll and Ooh. get off my shit. 
Right? That had to be a hard day. And that happens all the day. time. Yeah. Okay, so let me break it down and tell you what really went down, right? Because I'm like, I uh, am not, I don't steal from people. <laughs> now, when I was in high school, I used to rip off the famous bar all the time, but that's like a whole other story. I don't do that anymore. I was freaking 16 years old, but no, I do not steal, right? And I most certainly don't steal from other creatives, and I think everything's a remix, and we're inspired by everything every single day, but no, that's not what I was out there doing, so check this out. So, um, and I'll kind of give you the clip notes here and I'll keep some things out to kind of protect the, not to kind of, to protect the privacy of the person who came who came after me because I don't want any more trouble yeah. <laughs> around this idea. Uh, but in a nutshell, so I really began as this like personal branding speaker and I was using loosely some of the ideas from improv at the time to help people navigate the uncomfortable waters of self-promotion, right? <laughs> Promoting yourself as a fear experiment, essentially, right? So my work was really rooted around this idea of personal branding improvised. And I had come up with this like fun, kitschy name for it. And I was out there giving talks and using the kitschy name hashtag on Twitter. And so were conference participants that would see me, rightfully so, right? They'd be using this little hashtag. Uh, well, one day the cease and desist shows up at my house from a lawyer's saying that said kitschy name was her client's said kitschy name and I was to back off or she'll sue me. They claimed that I had stolen her idea and her oh work. Oh my gosh. Right. I mean, I started what? bawling. Bawling. I'm, like, I'm sure. I do not. I love people. I love creatives. I love ideas. Dude. Oh, anyway, I was devastated. I was oh, so embarrassed. I'm sure. Humiliated, yeah. scared, what frustrated, a- and kind of pissed. Yeah, I'm sure. Right? I mean, you, first of all, everybody listening, and if you don't know this, you should know this, but no one owns a hashtag. You don't own hashtags, okay? <laughs> no. You can't own a hashtag. If you want, you don't own a hashtag. And just because you write about something once in a book 10 years ago, a book, by the way, that I've never read, um, doesn't mean you own the word, right? If you really want to own a word, you got to trademark it. <laughs> so I got a lawyer and started that process. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go trademark that kitschy word. Cool. Maybe this is the wake-up call I needed, but... That person didn't own the word, so I'm like, I'm going to go figure out how to own the word. I had built my brand and all my marketing around this idea, my website, and I'm like, how am I going to live? How am I going to do business without this word? Like, it was like the, my world and my business was ending. Well, her lawyer was obviously better than me. She had been in business. I was in business six months. I, I didn't mean, even know what was going on. this is stressing me out. Like, I am like have back sweat as I'm yes. telling this. So her lawyer was obviously better than mine, and honestly, we were too late. She beat me to the punch, got the trademark, and I had to fold right? I would cry and cry and cry because I didn't work that way. I don't work that way. Why did she have to be so mean? Why couldn't she call me? Why couldn't she just talk yeah. to me like a human? It's really interesting. She never reached out to never you until was. you received like a letter from a yeah. attorney. Like we could have collaborated yeah. or worked something out and we were so different and we're, we were using the idea so differently. And I don't steal people's shit and I don't steal people's ideas, but there is only love and there is fear. And she was afraid. She was afraid of me, of maybe some, me taking the idea. Maybe I mean, there's love or fear. So I folded my deck of cards and I moved on. And to this day, that happening, that worst thing, that life business crumbling moment was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because if I wouldn't have gotten that cease and desist letter, there would probably be no fear as my homeboy. Isn't there would be crazy? no Fear Boss podcast that we're on right now. There would be no fear boss community in the tens and tens of thousands, right? Out there doing fear experiments. None of it. I'd, I'd absolutely be out there creating killer shit, but fear is my homeboy. Right. Was really that is born out of the lowest, most embarrassing, scariest moment. So what a great story. Yeah, That's I, a great story. I never tell people about you it. You have and I need never to talked about no, it. No, I do not. No. Because 
it's still, there's a still shame, I think, a little. I feel embarrassed. Like, it's like, I don't know. It just, it was so, such a punch in the gut. And it's just, I'm a girl's girl. I don't, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to take your stuff. But if I am, call me, talk to me. If, or not if I am, take your stuff. But if I am making you more comfortable or, you know, using something that, I mean, there's so many people in the world. Just right. pick up the phone. You might be, you might meet your next business partner. You might be able to collaborate on something. You might be able to look at what happened. A brand new idea was born out of it. I, you know, if we, if there, we are human beings, right? So here's what I learned: we don't know what's good or bad. The story is always written, but we have to trust the process. So take a deep breath when something bad is happening. Coronavirus, yeah. cease and desist, right? Yeah. And remember, it's just a moment. It is not your whole life. It is just a moment. And the other thing I learned, and for anybody out there creating, if you want to own an idea, get a lawyer and trademark it. I've trademarked Fierce My Homeboy. <laughs> We're in process with fear experiments right now. Fear experiments, plural. There's an incredible group of people that run fear experiment. They use this hashtag fear experiment. They don't own the hashtag, but they uh, do these like live events. It's very different from what I'm doing, but we own the hashtag. We're in trademarking for fear experiments uh, because that's the idea that's really rooted out of our work. But if you want to protect your idea, go protect it. That's You crazy. don't own a hashtag just because you write about something in a book doesn't mean so somebody else can't right. reference it. And in like this world of like abundant amount of content. It's too much. How do you keep much. up? I mean, who really knows where, who knows anything, where anything came from? Yeah. Crazy. Okay. And the lesson too, like not only that the best thing that came out of it was your book, right. but also you learned about trademarking, yeah. which is going to potentially change your business in another way. I just went and got the club soda. Oh, Do you want some you. of this? Sorry, yes. guys. We need a little, I need a bubbly pause here. Cheers. Cheers, <laughs> Cheers. to bubbles. We're drinking some bubbly sparkling hey, water. In Vegas, drink bubbles, mm. right? We are drinking the non-alcoholic bubbles. I love it. Okay, Amanda, I remember you telling me about this proverb. Is it Buddhist, something like that? You heard about it in some documentary, but when I said, you know, we don't know what's good or bad. Sometimes we do not know what's good or bad. And um, you told me this, like, proverb. Yep. What is, a, that? what is that? What is that? I think the fear bosses would love this, and I don't know how to say it. It's, it's really good. It's cool. It's a Buddhist proverb, and I'm really into this kind of thing, and it's been a game changer for me and even my family. Yeah. So the, the story is about a farmer. And the farmer has horses, and one of the horses runs away, and his neighbor comes and says, oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry your horse ran away. And the farmer says, I don't know, who knows what's good or bad. Uh, days later, the horse returns with more horses. And his neighbor comes over and says, wow, like, you, you've got such a bounty. How amazing. And he's like, I, who knows what's good or bad. So his son rides the horse and falls off the horse and gets injured. And his neighbor comes over, I'm so sorry to hear about your son. And the farmer responds, who knows what's good or bad. And just days later, the army comes to recruit his son to go to war. And he's unable to go because of his injury. Mm. And his neighbor comes over and says, you know, I'm so glad your son didn't have to go. Like, And who knows what's good or bad. So that's a paraphrased version. But there are so many moments in our lives, just like what you explained, yes. that feel like, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. And as we look back in hindsight, we're like, that was Thank actually God. amazing. Yes. That changed the course. That changed me. It yeah. changed direction. It was a pivot. Yeah. And we undervalue the potential of something happening. And instead of getting caught up in the fear and the anxiety saying, you know what? I don't know what's good or bad. Yeah. It's really, really powerful. It's a game changer. That cease and desist. I don't know what's good or bad. Perfect, very current example. I've been all stressed out because I have a really light April on my calendar. And Amanda are like, this is so weird. And spring is weird, but our spring is never. Historically, I've been super slammed in April. And my April's got like 
not a lot going on. And I've been like so beating myself up. And you know, you do this like self-sabotage. Like, oh my God, it's over. I'm never going to work again. I'm <laughs> so, sucking. I hor- I'm, so- I'm horrible. And um, with everything going on with coronavirus, it's kind of, no matter how this plays out, because it's going to play out and right. we're going to be okay. We are... I'm so grateful for it. I'm so blessed. And I have like goosebumps as I tell you that because if I would have had an April with eight events, I'm usually five to eight events. Wow. We'd be in a very different financial situation right now than we are. And so what is good or bad? We don't know. Yeah. So that was something that brought a little bit of anxiety. And now as we look at it, we're like, okay, great. Okay. Because we're we're suffering less anxiety now yeah. because of that. Exactly. So I love it. Okay, example. perfect. Okay. So let's not really change directions, but I really kind of want to talk about some questions from the fear bosses that we get too. Cool. And lots of people want to start their own business and do their own thing. Some people want to be a speaker. Some people want to write books. All a whole bunch of questions yeah. come in. So let me ask you it in this way. What is something you would tell yourself if you had the opportunity, like as this process started for you? Yeah. So I would say for any side hustle or dream that you want to build for yourself, for your family, uh, start while you have insurance and a job if you can. <laughs> you know, don't just quit your job or go work at a coffee shop or go bartend, but have have money, right? And stack away those chips. Start stacking dimes. I wish I would have done that a little sooner and a little longer. But when I, you know, I ran a bar for years and one of my regulars, they were all in like finance and they were awesome. And they would always tell me like anytime I got a raise in my professional job, because I was like, working in hotels by day and bartending a couple nights a week in my 20s, they would be like, every raise you get, like, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. Like, any check you get, stack money away, stack money away. So I'm always, like, I've never forgotten that piece of advice because I didn't get that kind of advice from my family. I grew up, everybody's broke, right? Right. Everybody's still broke, right? So I did not grow up with money, and so I had no one teaching me about money. I mean, I had to learn all that. I read through books and online mentors and successful friends and leveling up my circle, but stack money, save money. If you are a 20-year-old baby, fear boss, listening to this in your 20s because we got so many baby fear bosses and I don't mean that condescending I mean that with love so much potential what I would say to my baby fear boss is pay yourself first always stack a little money away start while you have insurance and a job and get out there and start doing the thing you want to do for free a lot so you can figure out if it's for you and that's also how you get good so if you want to write write for free anywhere you can to build your street cred so we go onto your website and you have like shit to show us and you get published in places, right? If you want to speak, raise your hand to lead team meetings at work and speak for free anywhere you can to get video and photos of you rocking the stage. If you sell badass bracelets, start sending them out to influencers or people with the platform or give them away in trade for some promotion or a discount code. If you draw, Draw something for someone you follow or a business you admire, right? If you produce videos, offer to produce a free video for someone to build your portfolio and your experience. If you take photos, take photos of people in your network for free to build your website. And if you want to be a coach, take on free clients to get good at it, to gather testimonials, to get that street cred. 
Yeah, and you've done that. I yeah. mean, every you, step of the way. Right. We're and still it, doing it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, like, because we know, like, you know, there will be stages that I'm like, ooh, we, you know, we've got something, you know, coming up for this summer that we can't legally talk about because the contract's not signed, but it's going to be freaking massive and really big. And we're so excited about it. And those are the events you do uh, for greatly reduced fees or pro bono because you know you're going to get tape and photo and video as a professional speaker that is worth its weight in gold, right? So we're always thinking, but, you know, you've also got to run a business, right? And so, you know, just think smartly. But when I was coming up, man, I would do anything I could to get on a stage and to get video and photo because you can't get booked, you can't get booked without it. So raise your hand, do everything you can to get out there and speak and have someone come film you. I mean, I tell you, I look at my first videos. <laughs> it is so bad. It is I should post a clip. I should do that. That would be a fair experiment. Because yeah. that is in the archives and it is hidden. But my my I'll never forget my very first talk that was filmed. I mean it was I mean I was a good speaker because I've been or you know but, oh, God. I mean, from what I was wearing to the way my slides look. But it's great. It shows the evolution. You know yes. what I should do is post it and then post next to it. Me now on stage. Me. Like, Rachel Hollis does this a lot. Yeah. Where she does, like, her 10 years ago. Yeah. Anyway. Because everybody starts somewhere. And it yeah. constantly goes back to that idea that, like, nobody can compare where you are now yeah, with to, starting yeah. out. Um, and it's such a good message, too. And for all of those people out there trying to start something like as Jody as Judy said yeah hello make sure that like you build the habits yeah that really help you yeah. be successful habits and that's what it is I love it so you're creative and you're a dreamer and we sit and talk about all the things that we want to do in the business and it gets a little out of hand sometimes oh yeah and we talk about how much has changed and how much will continue to change and you know you really are living the dream I can totally see why people mm come to you like this has got to be a magical dream and and I get to see it too and it, in some ways it yeah. is but I also see that it's a lot of work yeah but sticking with the dream part people also ask us questions about getting started mm. and equally about where you're going mm. I mean we get a lot of questions about like what's coming next oh, like you talked about book two and you know, if you wouldn't mind, can you share with us, even if it's not related to now, even if yeah. it's not Fear is My Homeboy or being a keynote speaker, like, what are you dreaming of? Like, yeah. what is in that journal of things that yeah. would... Such a good question. Um, it's interesting. We're, well, so it, acutely uh, business. So I'll give you some big dreams, like future, future, like where we're going, where this train, where the fear boss train is going. Uh, but acutely, we've got a lot of good stuff. I'm dreaming a lot about this workbook, and it's going to be a workbook for the dreamers. And we're so excited about it. We're presenting a lot of, a lot of very new ideas. And um, we're going to have a product that's going to come after that. So there are going to be two things coming out this year that we're just really, really, um, I'm in love with and I'm excited about and the possibilities are really going to be cool and it's really for you. Yeah. It's us listening to you and everything that you want in designing tools to help you expand on the ideas and fears my homeboy and evolve because I've evolved. I've changed since I've written that book and I'm yeah. getting better every day and so are you. So let's give you the tools to do that and we're working with researchers and uh, people right now. I'm, I'm starting to build uh, content around the idea that will be book number it's two. So which is so exciting. So that's fun. But I, I, I dream like... I dream about being on like the cover of a business magazine, right? I dream of hitting the New York Times bestseller of course, list I've one day. Dream that yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> That's a shared dream for the shared business. Dream right? for, it would change yes, everything. Yes, it would change. And just eat Wall Street, New York Times, just, but New York Times, it would just be great. Not that it's like the end all be all. I feel like I'm successful. Like uh, success for me is freedom. 
And I think it's important to like, I am always chasing freedom and that's why it's the fear boss core mission. We believe the mission, if you don't know this, the mission of our business, the mission of our lives, the mission of the fear boss community. If you join our group, I'll link to it in the show notes. We have a fear boss group. Our mission is that we believe freedom, your freedom lives inside smashing comfort zones. So your physical freedom, your mental freedom, your financial freedom, your personal freedom, the professional freedom, doing work you love with people you like the way you want. You'll never get any of that. None of it if you're not willing to get uncomfortable. And everything I do and that we create in this business and that we do for you is rooted in that core idea. And I am chasing freedom. So success for me, I am successful right now. I don't need to hit a New York Times bestseller list to be to feel like I'm a success. I know I'm a success, but these are the things I dream yeah, about. but come on. Yeah, I mean, like, you write books. Like, of yeah, course. It's a dream. Like, I think everybody that writes a yes. book wants to be a If you York say Times. you don't care, yeah. you lie. I love it. I'm chasing it, and I write it every day in my I Am Power statements. And sure? then the third thing, the new thing that I've kind of put out into the universe that will happen, it's just a matter of time, is I'm going to speak on stage with Rachel Hollis. <laughs> okay. I think we just I'm need to meet it. each other. Uh, we should, we, she going to be my peer boss bestie. Uh, she is a fear boss. She just doesn't know about it yet but we've I love how real she is and I think she's just so beautiful and brave and I would we went to Rise Business and I just remember sitting in that audience I was so inspired we learned so much and Amanda and I joke there's us before Rise Business as in this business and then there's us after Rise Business that's how beautiful that conference was but I looked at Amanda and I said oh I'm gonna speak on that stage not the Rise Business stage I think I'd love to be at her women's event the Rise Women women would like slay the fear was my homeboy the fear boss so it's right in our wheelhouse yeah if we got any we got any fear bosses on the line they got a direct line to the rachel house i'm gonna put it out she manifested oprah i'm gonna manifest right. rach hey girl call us call us <laughs> hey rachel it's also hold on hold on oh, hold on hot yes so hot in here uh, i mean i can't so, even i can't okay. i love that i can't okay i think we have time for one last okay, question one more. Okay. do it you recently announced the Fear Boss Fam Facebook yeah. group. You just talked about it. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about why building a community matters? Why it matters to you? How it plays into the business? Yeah. Cool. Happy to touch on that real quick. You know, as a social, I guess like social entrepreneur, creative business owner, you know, it's everything because it's a platform for all your service products and offerings. So number one, as a business owner, I've got to have a platform to be able to move my products, offerings, and services. I mean, these are these are the, our people, right? The Fear mm-hmm. Boss Fam is our tribe. And knowing your people and your customer and creating things specifically for them becomes your sort of true north. You just heard me talk about it. So that's like from a business perspective why I feel the community is so important, right? It helps me create things. It helps me bounce ideas off of a group of people who are going the same direction we're going. But as a human, it's kind of like therapy. It makes you feel less alone. It puts faces and names and stories to every single book, idea, and product that is shared or created. And it gives the Fear Boss community a voice too. It helps make the community the hero of the story, not me, right? I am not your guru. I am a forever student who was on the same path of courage as you are. And I am working hard every day to be brave and smash those comfort zones. And I'm always kind of creating what I too need. So um, yeah, it's all about giving them a voice as well. And I want you to have a voice as a fear boss. Yeah. I mean, what has been posted in that group, the things that people are doing, the changes, the changes that you all are making in your lives, like is literal. Yeah. It's oxygen for us. It is. And we'll link up in the show notes. It's called the hashtag fear boss fam, fam, F-A-M being short for family. And we'll link up in the show notes, but come hang out there. Yes, please. You guys do. It's so inspiring. Okay. 
How do you see everything kind of evolving in the future? Love it. Well, I'm not 100% sure because I don't have a, a <laughs> crystal enough. ball. Fair enough. Uh, but what I do know for sure is this. And it's that we are experimenting right now, and it's so awesome. So, you know, when I say that, we're out there trying new things and dreaming up new dreams and just following our hearts and listening to the community. So it's really awesome to watch this community take shape. So we toss around the ideas of maybe a membership site with more Fear Boss offerings that are a little bit more robust. We, we, we're talking about Fear Boss, maybe meetups and retreats and workshops. And someone posted the other day, can we get a Fear Boss cruise? I said, oh, a Fear Boss cruise. Yes. Move over, Oprah and Gail. We got Judy and Amanda and the Fear Boss Cruise, right? So um, anyway, I also see online programs and courses and, of course, more books and, of course, a teaser. Mark your calendars. Uh, we will ha- be releasing a product, and I love saying it on the air, too. It, like, really, it's terrifying and exciting, but we're going to put a new, uh, a beautiful They're workbook out. to it. Yeah, we're going to put a workbook out in May, the book's birthday. The book turns one on May 28th, so uh, stay tuned for that. Okay, well, this has been tons of fun. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing some of your fun stories and letting everybody get to know just a different side of you. You're more than just the keynote speaker that people see on stage and the voice that you hear. So So good. Thank you for inviting me back to share another episode. And hey, thanks for agreeing to be on the hot seat. Oh, on the what? (laughs) On the what? On the the hot seat. Hold on, let's just dance it out before we go. Amanda, you rocked that interview, by the way. Yes. Oh. I love it. Okay, we'll have to do this again another time. In the meantime, Fear Boss, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. And on behalf of Amanda and I, thanks for listening to this episode of the Fear Boss Show. We'll catch you on the flippity flip. Okay, Fear Boss, there you have it. The first ever hot seat episode right here on The Fear Boss Show. Talk to me. Tell me, did you love that? Did you dig that? Did you have as much fun listening to that as we did recording it for you? Do me a favor and screenshot a photo of this episode on whatever platform you're listening and tag me and share it on the social meds, the social media, so that I know that you're listening and you're liking this episode. Talk to me, DM me, and of course, email me anytime at hello at Judy Holler, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L, er.com so that we can hear from you. We want your questions. We want your feedback. What are you loving? What are you wanting? And most specifically, how did you like the hot seat? We certainly had a good time doing that. So please screenshot this episode and tag me on the social media. And don't forget to throw your love my way in the reviews. Oh, and if you're feeling a little extra generous for your boss, share this episode with your friends. As always, thank you for listening. And in the meantime, stay brave and keep experimenting with your fear. Well, hi there. It's me again. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so damn glad you're here. And if you loved this episode, which I hope you did, my hand is on my heart. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling a little extra boss today, it would mean the world to me if you'd leave a review on iTunes so more fear bosses like you can find this podcast. And better yet, share this podcast with a fear boss you love and encourage them to listen. For more on me, my work, and my keynotes, you can visit me at judyholler.com, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R.com to learn more. And this is also where you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called The Fear Boss 5, and it comes out every Friday where I share five things I'm loving, learning, and reading. It's one of my favorite things to do. And if you love this podcast, you're going to love the newsletter, and you can sign up right there on my website. 
My book is available at most of your favorite book retailers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, airports, all the things. So search me up on Google or type Judy Holler into Amazon and grab your copy. Last but not least, you can always come hang out with me on the social media. Instagram is my favorite place to be. I'm on Instagram at Judy Holler, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R. I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fear is my homeboy. And Twitter as well at Judy Holler. Until next time, Fear Boss, keep experimenting with your fear and stay brave.